Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. of a lot of reasons, but um, I'm back on live today because there's just so much going on in the world. Now, thank you, Sonia. I'm glad to be back. Um, I'm not really feeling well. You might be able to hear that in my voice. It's a little stuffy and whatnot, but um, it's just important that I communicate and speak up and give everybody a platform, you know, I want everybody to understand that Brunch in the Basement with Javon is a platform for everybody. If you have something you want to talk about, call in, all right? This is for you. This is for you. 347-996-5394. Press 1 if you have something to say, and if you just want to listen, you know, just put it on speakerphone, you know, put your phone on speaker and just listen. Um, you can also listen online. Uh, there's many ways to do that. Quickest way today would be to go to my Facebook page. My name is Javon Armstrong and just click on it. Um, normally, I would have um, singers, R&B singers or some other sort of celebrities coming on, which we do have a celebrity coming on today. Um, a good friend of mine, Therese, 
who is the wife of Monifa, as you all probably are aware by now. Um, they did get married on national television. Um, they were the first black lesbian couple to do that publicly. It's just amazing, you know, um, standing up for love and standing up for who you are. We have a lot to talk about in terms of even homophobia. We can get into that. The whole Kim Burrell thing, it kind of shook me up, not so much because of her, but um, because of this, I don't know. Yeah, because of her. Let, let, let me keep it real. Because because of the things that she said in the pulpit, how are you going to stand in the pulpit and talk about penises in people's faces? I don't care if it's straight people, gay people. I, I I just feel like it's inappropriate, period, um, to be talking about specific sex acts. That's that. Were there children in that church? What 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 is the world coming to? I I don't know. What is the church coming to? You know. Um, I believe that. You know, my my understanding now is that church should be a place of sanctuary. It should be a safe place, a a safe haven, a place where you get in contact with your spirituality. You know, um, of course, there's religion and, you know, there are things that are taught religiously. And, okay, if you want to talk about what the scripture says about anything, Go ahead and do it. But talk about what you know. If you want to go that hard and that deep and talk about and calling people outside their names, calling people perverts and and all this kind of stuff, if you want to go that deep, talk about yourself. Talk about, you know, something that you might have experienced and something that you are trying to work on in your life, you know, like maybe gluttony. I'm just saying. I'm not calling anybody a glutton. But for the most part, greed. How about that? You want to talk about people's issues? Talk about your own issues. You know, if you struggle with weight, is it because you eat too much? Are you gluttonous? Are you, you know, talk about that. What does the Bible say about that? Go hard on yourself. Look at yourself. let let he who go without sin cast the first stone. How about that? You mad? Because that whole thing sounded like somebody was mad. I can't, I, I can't believe that people actually sat in that church and thought it was okay for somebody to talk about a man putting his penis in another man's face. And my grandmother's listening to the show. And grandma, I apologize for the language that I'm using, but this is language that a lady pastor used on the pulpit. You know, the, she she got up in the pulpit and was talking about people putting penises in people's faces. And and I and she used that language. 
And I just think that that was just just disgusting to do that, to use God's house to spew I don't know. I don't even know what it what it was. And it sound she was so angry, it sound personal. You know? It, she was so angry that it sound personal. So maybe I'm just saying, maybe she had a personal experience with somebody in the LGBT community. We do know she's divorced. I'm not saying any I'm, I you you can all speculate. I don't know. And that's another thing. The Bible has a word or two to say about divorce. Talk about that. Talk about what you know. You know? And I need I need for y'all to help me with this, okay? Because I have a conflict. And now I'm I'm getting personal here. Right? I believe in listen to the message and not necessarily the messenger. That's my personal belief. You know, it could be somebody you don't really like, but yet they give a powerful message. So, as some of you probably know, I have a gospel show, and I play gospel music. And honestly, I played a lot of Kim Burrell music on the show previously. And now I don't want to support. Look, she said that in 2017, homosexuals will be dead. So she's wishing me dead. And I can be dead to her in 2017 by not playing her music, by not purchasing any of her music or anything that she's produced. And speaking of which, let me just sidebar here for a minute. The the movie Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures is a movie that must be seen and must be supported. I don't care who is in the movie, who's staying on the soundtrack or whatever. That is a story that must be told. We must support it. It must be seen. It's one of those, those situations. That, that movie needs to be seen. Um, it's a very important story. And because she's singing half of a song on the soundtrack will not stop me from supporting the mu- the movie. But I probably, if I download anything from the soundtrack, it will not be the song that she sang. That's how that goes. Because I can't support somebody who's wishing me dead in 2017. So about the other thing is backing Kim up. And that's that's again where I need your your help. Because I don't know everything. And to act out of anger, who does that serve? So you have um I'm not even sure if it was, I don't want to say the wrong person, but I believe it was Tasha uh, Lockhart, I think her name is, and um, uh, Shirley Caesar. 
Um, I can almost, almost forget Shirley Caesar because she's older. And I, I almost. But age does not excuse bigotry. Um, I feel that, and, and let me just say that I had heard Kim Burrell say something on Periscope months and months before she even said this last thing. And I struggled with it a little bit. And then I, I said, you know what? There's such wonderful, positive power in her music that I don't want to not give the deliver the message because of the messenger. And so I had continued to to play her, her music. However, now the messenger has become the message, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, now, when you think Kim Burrell, you think homophobia. So if you hear her music, it kind of overshadows what, what the message of the music is. And, and that's a shame because her music, is all positive and it's all God. And, you know, it's the dilemma there is, do you kill the message with the messenger? Do I stop playing Shirley Caesar too? I don't have a problem with stop playing Shirley Caesar. I don't have a problem with stop playing Kim Burrell. I don't have a problem with not playing, what's her name, Tasha Lockhart. I only played one of her songs anyway, you know? But, Am I doing a disservice? And um, for those of you who are listening to me live on Facebook, please join me now on Blog Talk Radio. I believe that um, Therese is on the line, and I will not be able to kind of chime her in to the Facebook talk. So let me give you the number to call in. It's 347-996-53. If you have something to say to either me or Therese, you can press 1, and we'll be glad to take your call and hear what it is that you want to say. Um, Later on in the show, we have Mr. Kenneth B. Morris joining us, and Kenneth is a direct descendant of both Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. How could you not want to hear what this man has to say? How could you not want to talk to him? Um, We're at a turning point, people. Donald Trump is going to be the most powerful man in the free world. We have issues of racism, sexism, and homophobia that we need to deal with. So join us on the call. The number's on my Facebook page and as well as the link. You can just press the link and listen if you if you choose to do so. And um I just I want to thank you all for for listening in and supporting me in the show. Please continue because we we're going to have a lot more shows coming up in the future. Um we, it's just important that we discuss amongst ourselves and whoever else. And if you have a different opinion, I welcome it. 
you know, I can agree to disagree. And if I see things a little, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to different opinions, actually. You know, one of my friends was able to explain to me why it is that people would have voted for Donald Trump, which I thought I would never understand, but yet <laughs> she was able to explain to me a different perspective. So we have to be open to, to, to understanding the other person. And our president said that too so eloquently. And I'm going to talk more about that, but first I want to bring on Therese and um, thank you all for listening live on Facebook. And um, I'm going to end the Facebook, and I'm going to go on to the show. Peace. So for those of you who are continuing to listen, I would like to welcome a dear, dear friend of mine, somebody who means a lot more to me than she probably even realizes at this point. She is a trooper, an advocate, for so many different causes. She is a model. She is an actress. She is beautiful on the inside and out. And her name is Therese. And she's joining us right now. What's up, girl? Hey. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. How you doing, sis? Well, I'm very well. Thanks. How are you doing? You know, I'm I'm still not feeling 100% well, but this had to be done. Yeah, I know you've been you've been working that cold thing out for a minute. That that sounds like a like it needs to be treated at this point. But I'm going to say that live. <laughs> I get in, <laughs> yeah. I, I get in you later. I know. I know. I pray. Yeah. I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. Yeah, it's the first show of the new year, and we've certainly got a lot of things going on, some outrageous and some even more outrageous. But um, I'll just start off by saying, you know, I'm grateful for being here to experience it all, good, bad, or indifferent, because, you know, a lot of people didn't make it over into the threshold of 2017. So moving yeah. forward, what's what's the deal? Let's just talk about it. Oh, my God, Rez, there's just so much, so much going on right now. I, I, I really didn't know where to start. I started talking about um, President Donald Trump dumped into Kim Burrell. I mean, it, it it's it's just a lot. The, the, the new administration that Trump is trying to bring in, yeah, people so just much. don't understand, you know, and under the guise of just paying attention, I think if I had to, you know, I, I searched my soul to figure out one positive thing um, from this whole experience uh, called President-elect Trump and his cabinet. And I think if nothing else, um, this is probably, at least in my lifetime, the most people paid attention to politics where yeah. they felt like they, um, what they thought mattered. Um, and this is probably the most, with the exception of perhaps the 60s, when, you know, we were fighting for the right to vote 
and organizing then, this is forcing us to pay attention and organize again. So if anything, anything good comes out of it, it will make us stay awake, which is what it's designed to do. You can't sleep. You don't have that luxury anymore. If that was ever a luxury, you certainly don't have it now. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to who's at your local level in office because it contributes to the voices at the higher level and organizing. So that's my extract of positivity from this whole entire debacle. Um, But if we ever wanted to know what's out there, if we ever wanted to understand what powers are truly out there in corporation and, and in a lot of oppressive situations to keep us back, we got it now. You know, we understand what it is. And, you know, I'm not so sure of how many people visiting him when he gives an agenda, you know, or tells that he's going to assist. I guess we just have to hold him accountable and not be accountable that we've been used to holding people accountable, then it quietly goes away. We have to stay on this for four years. You know, we we have to do it. We have to do it at every turn. We have to stay on it. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we have to stay hard. We have to we have to press hard. We have to walk. We have to march. We have to spend our money wisely. Because really uh, this is, this is all big business. This is big business. Yes. This is the same. You have yes. Wall Street running the country. That's basically what it is, you know. Um and, and a lot of people that are huge uh hedge fund <laughs> that run these hedge funds that are that have thrown their money in this direction of this candidate or now president elect to that also control media, that also control film, that also control television. And they have pushed the agenda to the White House. So at this point, it's basically corporation in the White House from the top, and we have to pay attention to it. Now, here's the thing, and I've said this for a minute. Our spending power is our voice. Our spending power is our voice, and what I mean by that is that our dollars are used to project this country's economy in the trillions our dollars are used to project this country's economy in the trillions. If we organize that money and, and or keep it enough, change the way people see and perceive our power and change the way society runs. Now, is that collective organizing? Absolutely, to its finest. It, it is. You know, these Black Fridays, these, you know, these, these sales, these, these strategic sales right around tax time, this all means something, you know. It's a way of just taking our dollars out of our pocket, and a lot of us go line up at Walmart and wherever else to contribute to the same system that has got us here to begin with. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So if we don't understand it, Cyber Mondays, Black Fridays, tax sales and things around certain times of year and all of the holidays that were created to spend, you know, we we have to understand what this is. It's huge business. It's huge business that's, predict, that's used to predict a lot of the world economy. And we need to make sure that we understand that and control it. Control it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Money talks. Money talks. Always has. I wanna I wanna talk about um immigration for a second. I saw a very interesting video from that was done by a politician in Ireland. And this this video is now you can find it on my Facebook page. Um it is um this this gentleman is 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 livid that his government, that the Irish government is not being more vocal about who America has elected as president. He refers to Donald Trump as a fascist. Um uh-huh. He he also mentions that there are thousands and thousands, if not a million, Irish immigrants, illegal immigrants here in America right now who are probably very fearful. And you know what dawned on me, Therese? That what's that? I have fallen into, I have I have fallen asleep. And when I think of immigrants, I have thought of brown people and forgot that there are illegal immigrants from Italy, from Ireland, from Spain, from Great Britain. You know, people, and, and I'm not the only one, I know it. People who are talking about, you know, we don't want, we need stronger immigration laws, they're thinking about Spanish, they're thinking about African, they're thinking about Indian, Asian, they're not thinking about their own brethren. Because (laughs) all of us are somehow related, you know what I'm saying? Right. Except for a Native American. So that's the that, that that video woke me up a little bit. But but understand, this is the United States, and quite frankly, it is everybody here basically is either a descent or one directly. So I mean, his point his point is always so just discombobulating because yeah, he may have been speaking about only uh, black and brown people, but the reality is it's far more than that. We know it, you know. And again, it goes back toward the pictures that people paint. Or wants you to believe because they don't include it. You know, they didn't. Of course, he's not going to mention that on on a live anywhere. But if you talk about immigration, you talk about immigration for everybody. Are you not? You know, and to say you're not, you're just basically going back into excluding a certain class of people because you find them to be what? Because I mean, really, to a wall for Mexicans? Come on, you got you got to be kidding me. That was the biggest joke could have ever come out of his mouth, and it, it's highly offensive, um, among other things that he said, you know, and I just don't think that it works. And then, to, from what I understand, to ask the Mexican government to contribute to this BS, it's, it's, it's just, you know, I'm more concerned with our allies, if we have any left, <laughs> uh-huh. Look, looking at this as, you know, oftentimes they say that the president is the voice of the people. Well, if there's ever a hacking situation, I pray it happens now to understand what the people are actually saying about this president-elect. 
because at the end of the day, it's like, wow, you know, anybody looking, he's not the voice of the people. He's not. He's not a representative of the people, you know, the people that matter. You know, he's the voice of, unfortunately, um, a system that has not worked in this country ever. But you got to understand that we weren't, we weren't supposed to be here, you know, um, and the Constitution wasn't necessarily written for us. You know, we weren't considered people. We were considered property. So ultimately it's not going to serve them to want to give it up. The power, I speak of the power. Right, right. Absolutely, which um, brings me back to what it was that my friend was telling me or trying to explain to me in terms of why people that she knew voted for Trump. And Ah. it was because they felt that they were not being represented under President Obama. Um, In in what way? In, in 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 that the Affordable Care Act did not work for them. It was too expensive. Um, they, I guess, they also felt, and and this this talks about the power. When you have seen yourself in a particular way, and it's always been that way, that you are. Tr- Treated, and and not even real, I guess, I I think it's a subconscious thing that they realize that with the way things are changing, they're not, they're, they're, they're subject to being unemployed just like we are. They're subject to things being equal. But when you, when you've been the powerful one, you don't want that power stripped away. Basically what you're saying. So without even consciously acknowledging what it is that you're afraid of, because it's all fear-based, right? you find little things. Like, um, for example, at my, well, <clears throat> let me just say, I know some people who are Trump supporters who are constantly talking about immigration, 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 and that's why they felt it necessary to vote against anything Obama. These people are of Italian descent. So not even realizing what they're saying, which because there's a lot of Italian immigrants, they're, they're, they are here because of right. immigrants. You, you know what I'm saying? Like their lineage. So, so it's contradictory. But at the same time, it's it's a fear. It's it's, it's a psychobabble, bullcrappy thing. And it it kind of made more sense when she was explaining it to me. But um, I understand that when when we act in fear, we do things that um, we set ourselves up for for failure, and 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 destruction maybe even and. You know, I understand if you if you're 
if you perceive yourself as being on top and there are changes that are going to make you not be on top anymore, forget about being equal because that's a con that's that's a concept that's beyond someone who's already always lived on top. Like can you imagine a Donald Trump wanting to be equal with you and me? Understanding that he is just an equal to you and me. You you understand? Right. Like that that's beyond his that's something that he's not interested in. And to a lesser degree, those who voted for him, that's what they fear. It's not right. that anything is being taken from them. It's that nothing extra is being given to them. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Does it make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. The only thing that separates a Trump and yourself <laughs> is, is because you're far more intelligent. So that wipes oh, that out. <laughs> and as so, are you. It's just it's just capital. That's it. You know, and the fear of just not being the voice. You know that that quote unquote matters. And part of blocking a lot of uh, people, you know, brown black people from coming over, is simply to control the numbers, because you know, quite frankly, they haven't been the majority, but the corporations. Um, that they subscribe to, invest in, and that support them, you know, are the ones that control the money. So they put exactly where, you know, Trump's campaign wasn't doing well until Robert Mercer and his his wife uh, came in uh, after, what's his name, Um, after he uh, pulled out of the race. What's his name? The clear, his name escapes me at the moment. It's probably good that I wash my brain of some of these names, but at the end of the day, Robert Mercer Robert Mercer, and the um, Mercer Family Foundation came over to contribute and right. throw their money at the request of uh, Trump's former wife, you know. Um, so he's running these huge hedge funds, very successful Long Island. They, him and his wife came over and they decided, okay, we're going to throw money behind Trump. And the thing is, when you throw your money behind someone as a candidate, you throw your resources as well. So here we have somebody that was, you know, had resources that were in media and films and, you know, all these other things, you know, the strategists, they can afford all of the uh, the people that were doing the poll uh, numbers and, you know, sending the messages out. And they got it. These are all people in their network. It's like, if I could say this simply, you know, and I know my brain tends to ramble a lot because it's just so much at one time. My, my mouth can't move as fast as I like it to sometimes. But uh-huh. it's, like, it's like it's like if I become Javon's friend, then and she's an advocate for me, you know, and she's taken on being an advocate for me. Then anybody that's in her her uh, rolodex, let's just say, or in her network of people she's going to serve as an advocate, same way. So not only do I have access to resources, I have access to the people that may do other things that I need to be able to get my campaign or my cause funded. So given that, you know, it's the same pyramid of power that, you know, that existed because, quite frankly, without it, he would not have won this race. He would not have been able to get his messages out um, and the didn't really have one, if you noticed. He didn't have one while he was running. But what he did do was he fueled a lot of angry people for whatever reason that thought that they were not the voice, you know. And you saw that, you know, true in his campaign. 
for this point. We're going to um, swear this man in to uphold the country for all the people. And, you know, that's a scary thought because he hasn't necessarily represented all the people or not even a decimal of them. And he's surrounding himself in a cabinet with people who have history of uh, oppressing oppressive, um, some of them who don't even have experience in the elected seats they will be serving in. He is um, going to elect the Supreme Court Justice that, well, let's say nominate the Supreme Court Justice that should have been done in Obama's term. And it's a lot of tricky, tricky stuff going on. And, you know, I'm just, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm keeping it simple, but, you know, um, we have these huge talks in my kitchen Every time, you know, there's something that goes on because we have a, a widescreen in the living room that we watch, and in between the living room and the kitchen, we walk back and forth, and usually it's like a path-worn, and we're just blasting off, you know, and just kind of uh, watching this whole thing go down. Um, I don't want my president on Twitter, reactionary on Twitter. You know, I'd like to think that he would be able to have some emotional intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want my president watching award shows and attacking people via Twitter. You know, I think that's not only embarrassing, but it also serves to say where his focus is. You know, I'm trying to figure out, as a New Yorker, I'm trying to figure out where this money is coming from to house him over here and block off one of our one of our streets because the Secret Service. And how do you do that? How do you come in and change everything according to what you need to do it? at the taxpayer's expense. I don't care where the money comes from. It comes from the city or it comes from the feds. It's still the taxpayers that are contributing to whatever this is, you know. At the end of the day, day, he is uniting a class of people in fear. And technically, you have to say to yourself, they're so afraid of losing and see, nobody's ever said you had to lose in order to be the 1%. What we're saying is that we need equality. What we're saying is that we need services in some sense. What we're saying is that we need a lot of things to not continue the way that they are. We're not saying you have nothing. You know, that's never been the message. What we're saying is we, too, belong, and we, too, can benefit from this wonderful, wealthy country called the United States. That's that's all we're saying, you know, um, among other things. We're saying that we'd like the opportunity for our voices to be heard. We'd like the opportunity for our voices to be heard and if for it to circulate a level of change that exists and that is comfortable for all people. Is that a task at hand? Sure it is. But we're not saying you don't have a voice, you know, which is the... You know, if I could say Black Lives Matter, it didn't mean your life didn't. It just meant that we matter too. And it right. we won't be ignored. We won't be ignored. And this trickle-down policy that you have that affects the people on the street has to change. You know, corporations that are running these prisons with these MOIs for bodies has to change because they're not looking in your community to get the bodies. They're looking in our community to get the bodies to fulfill these MOIs to keep a certain number of bed spaces occupied in these prisons that they're building that are controlled by these corporations that essentially have all their goods and products coming out of the corporations being made by the prisons that are in there. 
So it's a whole big thing if you look at it. Hillary started to address a lot of it in her campaign, um, and she was somebody that we thought that we could hold accountable to her word. Um, but at the same time, you know, as somebody that had uh, history there, but there were a lot of things uh, that needed to be discussed. I haven't heard from Trump at all, and I don't expect to. So what what we do, our biggest power, and I'm sorry for like kind of monopolizing this piece here. No, but I, I our biggest... need you to. I need you to. I need you to. Trust me, this is. <laughs> I can't speak because I can barely breathe, but I need oh, you to. Oh man. Our biggest power, again, is controlling our our money, controlling where we spend, because that is the only way that they are going to consider us a threat to anything, a threat to our words, let's just say that. And I don't mean that, you know, in a physical sense. I just mean in an economic sense, you know. If we organize, because the only thing that we have failed to do effectively, if we organize and stop contributing to the same companies, that are contributing to the system, we will make a dent. We can then have our voice back. You know, and we had a blueprint for it. Montgomery many years ago. Uh-huh. You know, but it's uh-huh. time to it's time to reinvent that. You know, when they didn't want us on the buses and they and they wanted us in the back because they didn't feel like we belonged. Okay. Well if you want us in the back, how about this? How about how about we don't ride at all? And you guys can have your bus company, and we'll figure this out, you know, if we have to walk. And they were forced to because they couldn't survive without us. This country can't survive without us. So there's the blueprint. We have to reinvent that blueprint and make it work for us in 2017 and beyond. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. You know, Black Friday, I was driving through – and I just, you know, of course, of course I wanted to ride past the Walmart. Of course I did. So I took a turn and went and looked. And I saw the line out there. And it just brought so much anger. You know, I just kind of stood there and said, do you guys know what you're doing? You know, that for, for that tell do you know what you're doing? you know what you're essentially saying? And there's the message, you know. But I think that a lot of these kids that are angry, you know, you can't scream about, your voice not being heard or being shot up on the street and not understand how the system actually works and and the part you play in contributing to some of the factors. You can't. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really hard to this. This generation is um, unfortunately in my opinion, and, and this is from my experience, um, in, in speaking with and seeing what goes around in um, social media, this generation is disconnected from our history, and to a, to a, not not completely, but to to an extent that that they don't honor themselves in it, or or through it and from it, if you know what I mean, like. Being knowing knowing my history, the history of Black America, or Blacks in America, because there's no Black America, there's no White America, there's just America. Um, it 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 always pushed me forward to strive and do more 
not just for myself and not just because the opportunities were there, but for my people. We had this sense of be a, a credit to your race. That was very important, I think. And um, we, we've discussed this before. When people don't know the difference between what Rosa Parks did and who Maya Angelou was, you know what I mean? That's, right. that's a, a problem. Um, and the problem, that particular problem starts at home, but it also ends with us who have a platform. You know, it's Correct. them. Starts at home, but it ends with us. So, you know, we we have so much work to do. But but since since I'm on that, I I just want to say this um, because it's been haunting me ever since the election. And when it when it came out that the majority of blacks in America, Afro-Americans, African-Americans, however we want to define ourselves these days, um, did not vote. A lot did not vote. And a lot of us voted for extraneous people who were not going to win. Right. And I understand the sentiment behind not voting because, quite frankly, I'm not a Hillary fan. Mm -hmm. However, I voted for Hillary, and I'll tell you why. I was voting against Donald Trump, (laughs) you know? I did not want this man to win. I did not want this man to win because he's a danger to our society. You know, you spoke, you mentioned allies, our allies. And and that's the thing that's been making me afraid, you know, not afraid, but it's giving me concern because if it's over, it's over, but not, sometimes, sometimes you have to, if there's nobody that represents your opinion, then you have to vote against the counter opinion or, or the thing that's against you. That's clearly against you. And if you want to say, you know, the best of two evils or whatever, fine. Whatever makes you, you know, whatever makes sense in your head. But if it's a choice between Hillary Clinton, who we know what she was going to do, it would have maintained and she would have done some good things. She, it, you know, she would have done some good things. And like you said, we could have held her accountable more easily more readily. And we we wouldn't be faced with the situations that we're faced with now. This is very dangerous. This is this is some very dangerous stuff. Donald Trump, you know, just disrespecting other world leaders. This whole Russian thing, <laughs> you know? What yeah. is this how, how could you have, and, and I don't think that young America really realizes our history with Russia and that Russia is the enemy. You know, I don't think that young America really understands that. And I'm not just talking about black America. I'm talking about young America. Um, <laughs> the Cold War. 
I mean, the whole thing about Ronald Reagan was about Russia. In a big yeah, but yeah, that's that's very true. You know, and what, you know what's also being dismantled is everybody. You know, this I've often said this coming into 2017 as things started to erupt on a lot of different levels. I laugh to a certain extent because I'm like, this is going to be such a forward push for transparency, such a forward push for things that you thought were real, um, and agendas that you know just you know. Oftentimes when the United States said something, we believed it because the United States says it and against this other country. And maybe not so much. <laughs> maybe the United States had something else in mind and they had a stake somewhere. And quite like boys playing in a sandbox, when you can't get your way, you want to send a message to all your people to help rally around something that had nothing to do with you. And my, my biggest point, to this all is the United States is to take care of them, the people that compose of the United States first. Yeah, yeah. You, how you about can't expect you can't expect for folks to rally your international agenda if you haven't even taken care of your domestic one, and you have one, and you're not gonna and we're not gonna go away because you want to be the biggest powerful nation in the world. No, you're one percent or two percent. And you're not going to govern the entire planet. So at the end of the day, there's some things right here in your own backyard that need to be cured, need to be fixed. And, you know, you just won't be able to. And I think the understanding, you know, um, and there's, you know, and I'm not a religious person at all. You know, I do not believe in organized religion. Let me say that. But, you know, something about the meek shall inherit the earth really serves my spirit on a lot of levels because you can't survive if you're not at the top. But we right. can survive at every level. You know what I mean? So true. At every level. So it's just about, you know, we came from, we have to remember, you know, like I, I was uh, talking to one of uh, the kids that I'm blessed to come in contact with and fairly regular basis, and he's like, you know, he's screaming black magic, black magic. And I asked him what he was talking about, you know, because it was just so funny. And he was like, you didn't hear what Puffy said. And I was like, ah, you know. And it's kind of reminding, that was his way of reminding himself in chant who he is and what his legacy is. And I was happy happy to hear that, you know. I'm happy to hear that. If we understand our own power and understand why we're hated, that energy alone in that could help us get through a lot of things collectively. You know, the divide and conquer trick has worked tremendously. It's working right now, you know. Um, Part of what we saw, you know, And if we want to talk religion, and I resign myself to not talking about it anymore because, like I said, you know, we did this Facebook Live post a couple of days ago. Um, we called it Fake News from the Kitchen. Yeah. It was myself, myself, Free, and uh, Mo. And we uh, were talking about the fact that, you know, are we surprised with these messages, these age-old messages that have been coming out of the church? No, that's that's not something. And I know I've done a major segue you know, ride this way with me for a second. But okay. that's, these are these are messages that we are used to hearing. We we know how we 
think and feel about them. We know the arguments that come along with it. Um, and my problem wasn't with hearing it because I'm quite used to it. I'm comfortable in my skin. My problem was the venom that helped launch that message this particular time and thinking that not only is some, are some of the verses subjective, as we know them, but if you had someone that was subscribing to Christianity and sitting in your pews that was struggling in any area, your influence in that church would have been destructive to whatever that is. And and fundamentally, the churches have or were supposed to be a refuge for people, people of all walks. So what you've decided to do is use the message and throw it out there um, in the attack mode as if that's the only thing, you know, um, talks about. And unfortunately, people run with that in not knowing. People that need to be led run with that in not knowing. And there's not enough emphasis on the book being inspired by. There are some people that say, that believe that this book was written by. And no, inspired by can be inspired by anything. Like this conversation is inspired by, you know, but doesn't uh-huh. make any of the, what I'm saying true. It just makes it my opinion. So you had a collective bunch of folks shifting opinions around for centuries and using that book as a tool. And these are my opinions. This is my belief. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going saying that first. So at the end of the day, you're spewing this message, and like I said, your 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 sanctuary was breached by somebody sitting with an unobstructed view to be able to take it. So it's right there, you know. Um, and somebody didn't feel that was right, or somebody thought differently of that message, and put it out there for the world to see. And as a consequence to whatever the action was, it's not about your belief. Because some people will try to say, you know, I'm standing on the tenets of my faith, and this is my belief. You have the right to do that. That's not what I'm angry about. You can believe anything, anything you want to believe. That's what's brilliant about being alive. You can believe. It's when you use your belief systems to perpetuate hatred or to perpetuate harm to others in your belief system there's the problem. And if you can't see that, then that is what it is. Can't see it, then that's part of the problem. That's my opinion. And that's what I felt about her rant. And, you know, and do I love her music? Because I heard you talking about her music. I think she has one one of the most anointed voices out there. But that, the spirit of that message um, whatever that was came from her that on that day or any other day needs to be tweaked a bit, the spirit of it, because, you know, you can dress up filet mignon, but if you put it in a garbage can lid, it is still stinky food. I'm sorry. Absolutely. You know, it, is, it is still that. So, you know, continue to support her in that thing. Uh, probably not. Not even probably, No. I don't. I don't uh, support anybody or anything that perpetuates harm um, to other people, and I don't care who it is. You know, it's been no secret that I'm an LGBT activist. I'm a human rights activist. 
I'm a Black Lives Matter activist. But at the end of the day, I'm going to protect all these folks or I'm going to speak to issues that are in concern, have been. Absolutely. And and just, just for the record, just so everybody knows, even though I put it out there, poses a question, all of Kim Burrell's music has been removed from WJBR's playlist. Um, so, and, and that's a, that's a decision I made as soon as I heard that I was just done. I, I heard her right. rant, but, right. well, no, but, and, um, everything that you, you said on, on that topic, Therese, I agree with 100%. Um, the anger and venom with which she spat those hateful words let me know that this is something personal for her. Sure. Yeah, and and besides that, you know, um, Shirley Caesar suggested that they talk about it amongst themselves with the door closed and keep make sure that everybody hands in their phones so that they cannot be taped when they talk about this stuff in secret in the dark. <laughs> and I like that. You know why? You know why I like that? Think of the color purpose uh-huh. when Philip put that curse on Mister. Ain't nothing you gonna do turn out right until you do right by me, right? Right. Which reminds me of the same grave you wish for me shall be bestowed upon you. Oh, yeah. So now, as more LGBT people are feeling comfortable coming out of the closet, those that would have us in the closet are now going to spew their hate and evil, wicked words in the closet. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll put it like this. Um, one of the things that I heard in the, you know, I, I wasn't present for Shirley's stuff either, but I did see the video um, tape, the full version of it, you know. And, you know, and I can't, I'm not going to extract individual little things that she said in it, because um, I heard a lot of it. And what she said also is that, you know, she needs to think before she speaks. You know, yeah, you do. You know, because that, that message had no thought behind it. I agree. You know, um, should this message be, you know, you got to watch those, and we all have them. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm convinced we all have them. I'll just say that. I can't say that for a fact that everybody has them. But we have what we call living room conversations that are not for the world, you know. And and if I want to be completely honest, you know, when you have these living room conversations, you also know that they aren't for everybody. So am I mad at the fact that Shirley said, you know, you need to have that in your own house and, you know, and perhaps, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not mad at that, you know, um, because she's right. There's some conversations that need to be, need to be the stay between you and your God, you know, Um, and it's not for everybody because the messages can be harmful. And that's exactly what she, what she uh, spewed. And quite frankly, a day late and a dollar short, which makes it, kind of interesting where this is coming from right now, you know, with that level of uh, <laughs> venom behind it. Where is it coming from? And, you know, and growing up in my uh, experience, usually the people that bark the loudest 
are dealing with on some level, whatever that is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, if that is the case with Ms. Burrell, I wish her peace because clearly it is tormenting her spirit and um, and love, you know, because I still want to wrap that sister in love and peace, you know, um, despite whatever she projects for people like myself, you know. Because I don't, I, don't be- I don't believe in her or her message, you know. Um, so that's it. You know, the, what, what Kim gave me, and I put that in past tense, was a beautiful anointed voice, which is what she still has, you know, in my opinion. One of the best voices out there in gospel music. But at the end of the day, you know, I separate the person. Of, uh, what, I, I separate what she does and who she is, and you know, um, or who she is projected to be, because I, I don't know her, and I'll say that. You know, yeah. Well, the message that she carries, um, you know, and I've been in many churches where the message has come up, you know, and I've been in the pews, and it is not uh, cloaked in that kind of venom. But this is, you got to remember, this is a, a a doctrine in their faith of their book of sins. You know, this is what it is for them. If you subscribe to Christianity in that in that vein, um, but I know also a lot of pastors, bishops that argue that that is not uh, the word. And if you want to take it back to Hebrew, um, the word uh, was substituted somewhere along the the way. And I don't want to totally um, botch this up. You know, we can get uh, Bishop Abrams or uh, uh, Pastor Kevin. Uh, on, on for that um, But uh, Somewhere along the line the, the word was substituted What it actually meant was prostitution um, And they're better to speak it than I am Yeah But yeah. this has followed This has followed us You know For some reason You know But I'll say this And Probably the last thing I say about religion Period You know You can't in one breath say that God Uh is is perfect and knows everything and his way is right and this is God's understanding and God doesn't make any mistakes and then turn around and list all these mistakes on the other side, you know. That kind of contradicts itself a bit, you know. Last time I checked, um, the God of your understanding did not need any micromanagement, did not need a team of people that were rallying around that threw his message out various ways. He didn't need all that support, you know, because he was all-encompassing. It was us that need to find him because he wasn't lost. <laughs> yep. So that, that's and, it for me on that, you know. I'll, I'll say this, Therese. You know, there's something that you said that is the ideal of Christianity, which is, I don't know the sister. I know what she said. I don't like what she said, but I still wish to wrap my arms around her and wish her peace and love. That is the ideal of Christianity, and that's what people fail to understand, that (laughs) that is more Christ-like than anybody getting up on a pulpit talking about people are perverts. (laughs) You know? That's what... That's what Christianity is supposed to look like. Um, wishing people, even when as you witness their sin, 
because as far as I'm concerned, what that was, what she did was sin. That that that's the epitome of sin to me. Uh, that's but that's oh, yeah. the, thank you know, thank God I'm not God. So, but but we want to um, embrace people in that, love people in that, and, and wish them peace right. in those those horrible moments. Because right. I'm a no matter what, that was a horrible moment for her. Maybe in retrospect, she probably had a second right. thought after she got all the flashback, you know, the feedback. But you know, right. but and understand I mean, something. You can't represent. You know, you you got to think about the the LGBT people that are in your church. You got to think about the LGBT people that are on your staff. You got to think about for BMI to, you know. This kind of, you got to think about what it is saying to celebrate someone who has this message toward people, you know, that the same people you're asking to celebrate. Come on, yeah. give me a break. You can't, you can't. No, then you, then you, it's okay to use the platform for some things. Like how, how are you in your spirit going to go sit at Ellen's show? That to me is kind of like, are we not supposed to see this? <laughs> Like, yeah, how are yeah. you going to go sit at Ellen's show after the message that you have? Um, how are you doing that? And I again, know. it's not about it's, again, it's not about what, it's how. In my opinion, you know, because you, you know, that, I'm sorry, Trish, but that speaks to the to the sin of greed. It's about money. Uh, uh, it's about yeah. money. Gluttony. You know, it's about fame. It's about personal fame. It's right. not about the glory right. of God. Because if, if you really believe what you spat out, then for the glory of God, you would not want to go on that show. Right. And right. if you did go on that show, your only purpose would be to reveal God's glory and to help your perceived, the people that you perceive to be doing so wrong to change their wicked ways or whatever the hell it is that she thinks she needs to do. I don't know. I can't look, man. She ain't, she ain't changing nobody. She ain't changing nobody or nothing. And unfortunately, it was just a bad representative on a very bad day for her, unfortunately. And we all happen as humans. You know, we're yeah, all going to fall short. Unfortunately, I can't say that she, she didn't change anything or anybody, but <clears throat> because, excuse me, she did spark a little bit of change in me. Okay. And and I'm I'm gonna say this, you know, um maybe not her but her actions, her venom, her serious anger and then some of the people that came out in support of her, some of the gospel artists that came out in support of her. Um I was watching a show, I think some salute to the Smithsonian or something my mom had me watch. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Mary Mary fan. Love Mary Mary. Um, their music anyway. And um, when when they came on and they started singing Shackles, I started thinking, huh? Wait a minute. Did they say anything? What do they? What do they believe? I mean, I have to stop now to think. You know, am I? I, I don't feel as free to enjoy gospel music at this moment. I'm sure I'll get past it. Right. But I'm a big gospel music lover. And, right. and that's well, like Yolanda, I Adams, Yolanda Adams came out and spoke publicly about that. Yes, you know? Yolanda Adams, 
Kirk Franklin has been supportive. He's gotten to a lot of hot water um, for for being apologetic. He issued an apology from the black church to the LGBT community. And this was months before she came out and did this thing. This is, you know, like a year ago, maybe. But, I mean, there are some, but then those who haven't said anything one way or the other, you just don't know. So, feeling freshly wounded, I guess, being someone yeah. who, who's who's a supporter of gospel music, um, who actually created a show just to spotlight nothing but gospel music and to support those artists. To hear right. one of them say that they wish me dead in 2017 that was fighting words, yo. I'm from the Bronx, yo. What? <laughs> okay. All right. Let me. Yeah. Let me, yeah hold on. Well, you know what? I, I'm happy to see not all of them uh, did. You know. Um, True. You know, Yolanda Adams speaking up and saying that that's not right. Um, you know, it's served my spirit. Uh, yeah, a lot of them are quiet, but then there are a lot of them that aren't, that do not subscribe to that. So. You know, um, you know the whole saying the one monkey, and you know even if we can assume that there are more monkeys, one monkey don't stop no show. You know, um, and you know like I said, Sister Kim will, and I and I still say sister because you know we got some family members that are you know that's true, that's true, out of control, and and need to be you know pulled in. You know, we all we all at some point will fumble ourselves, and I pray that. You know, and I can keep the prayer, you know, exclusive enough to say if I ever fumble, I pray that people love me enough to want to pull me in and, reset, and help me reset that, you know. Um, but if you do not allow that to happen, then you get whatever that comes with, you know. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, I saw her videos that she made after the fact, and, you know, it was really arrogant and really um, posturing, you know, and the whole uh, – the whole of the person was showing at that point, you know, because it's mm. something that she's something, you know, like even up until talking about, you know, how you people talk about supporting me and I, I I'm not a million. Oh, wow. So you are counting numbers. Well, watch them. Exactly. You know, because you'll understand that, you know, even though you're a part of the gospel community, that everybody, music is universal. And the same people that you talk about do support your stuff. Now, it may not be to the tune of your Grammy that you profess you didn't have, you know, but you are further away from that now than you have ever been, you know. Exactly. So, you know, it's just a lot of things to consider um, in your message, you know. But again, I'm not surprised because you know this is not this is not new. It didn't just get just this message didn't just get written. This has been in that book. You know, yeah. um, but yeah. the interpretation of what that means has been up for discussion. You know, it's still something that is honestly used to distract. I just don't want to be distracted by what's going on in the world right now because they'll throw us something to keep us over there while the real issue is to the left and we're over to the right talking about some stuff that really doesn't matter in the grander scope of things. You know, I'm not talking about this situation, but I mean, you know, I'm just talking about distractions as a whole where they're over here, like, taking our civil rights away and, you know, and putting people in cabinets that don't belong and, you know, just kind of. Yeah, just a, you know, a, somebody, a whole lot of insanity, man. You're right. Yeah. 
So I want to um, take a call. My grandmother's on the line, and she wants to say hello. Hey, Grandma. Huh? Hello. (laughs) She said, huh? How you doing, Grandma? You on the line. You on the air. Hi. Hi, baby. I think it was wonderful, everything. That girl is very, very good, very positive. Hello, Yvonne? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I was uh, thinking when she was speaking about first, young, old, and everybody, church, and everybody should talk, listen, and read. Uh. You learn when you listen, keep your mouth closed, because that's how I learn a lot. And the Bible... You have to get in the Bible, everybody, to know how to eat, exercise. You learn every, everything is in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Some people that read the Bible through, I've never read it all the way through, but I know a whole lot of stuff that's in it from church. And going to church is a good thing because the preacher preach, especially if you've got a preacher that preached the word from the book, like my preacher said, if you come in, and leave like you came, leave like you came in. You should have stayed at home because you didn't listen. I've been there, done that many, 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 many years ago. Looking at my watch, but for the last twenty years, I have been listening and learning and growing, and that's what you need. And with this thing, Trump thing, you really, really have to get. This is the most horrible thing that I said myself before. He was nominated and all of that. If Trump gets in, it would be the, this uh, this election, rather, was the most important election of all times, a matter of life or death, meaning if Trump gets in, it's going to be a big, big, big problem. He's not, he's voted to be in, he's not in yet, and it's beginning to be a problem. All this money the government, city is spending, Protected him millions a day. This has been the worst thing I've ever heard in my 90 uh, years. I've never heard of no election so g- vulgar, so common, so ignorant, and as a bad word, gut bucket. It is a low life. That I've never heard of no president being so bold and like he's the president of the world. He's king. Me, me, my, my, I, I. And I'm going to get off of that subject subject because I get frustrated about him. But like I said, the last word is God. That's He's it. not in yet, and if he get in, who knows how long he will stay. Not disliking him, don't hate him. And about the per- woman that spoke about the man and a man, let me tell you something. God loves all people, everybody, every crook, every sinner, everybody. Let's not ye judge or be judged. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, Grandma. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I'm just uh, happy to have heard the young lady speak. Everything she said was more or less what I wanted to say. She said it her way, and I said it bluntly, I guess, my way, but that's the way I feel because I could go on and on about the election because there's too much to think about who would just pray on it and know that the man of stairs have the last word. Trump is not him. 
although Trump thinks he's sitting up there with him, you know, or beside him, above him. He's the worst thing he's ever had in our election in years, in forever. No president to be has ever been this. We're going to all regret that we don't have Obama for the third. The ones that didn't like him now feel a little thing that they wish he was still there. And the longer he be out, the more Trump stay in, the more they're going to wish for Obama. <laughs> did, you watch, did you watch Michelle the other night, last no, week? No, no. Did no. you watch thing last night or night, the other night with, with Oprah presented? The whole thing was about black Afro-Americans' achievements in the world from way back in the beginning until up to now to the rappers and the whatnot. You didn't watch that either, right? Oh, I think I, I did see that. Oh, you did see that. Well, let me tell you, dear every woman, child, baby should have seen old Michelle speak for one full hour. She didn't stammer. She didn't stutter. She is eloquent. She is one fine, fine first lady. She and him, and she got 72% of, you know, whatever they give you for popular or whatever. She got, oh. Before she even spoke, after she spoke, baby, she, I don't know what they're going to give. She is made a black woman feel beautiful, gorgeous, and smart and pretty. So I'm through with it because I could go on and on about our president and the first family. I know uh, you saw you asked me. <laughs> no, 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 never that. Probably <laughs> not. Because I love me some Obama and Michelle. I'm proud. They make me proud being a black person. Very, very proud. He's been in there eight years, and the overseas people, the the people in other countries, the dignitaries, they have respected him for eight whole years because we was on the verge of a war. Nothing happened, nothing. Bush was right on the minutes from having a war had he stayed. Nobody has did nothing except what we did to ourselves, children shooting people and guns and guns. But there's no children bringing no guns to this country. There's no children bringing no boats, ships bringing guns. So the guns is in the hands of them people who bring the guns and put them in the children's hands. So that will have to Okay. Yeah. Right. I love yes, you, darling. And the show is absolutely fantastic. And I hope everybody got out of it what I did, what this lady, this young lady was saying. All right, very well, good. Right on the top you, of everything. Okay, baby, God bless you all, and I'm so glad you got such a nice clientele listening to you. Oh, thank oh. you, Grandma. <laughs> and I love you all, baby, and I'll talk to you. I'm glad your cold is better. Oh, and another thing. Don't take nothing nobody says. Stop. Don't say that anymore about what somebody said about you. In 227, don't you listen. Once you said like you shouldn't say it, all you have to say is, God bless them, and leave it alone. If somebody right. says, I'm not going to answer, I'm going to let it go be all on them. You know what I'm coming from? I'm coming from? Yes, huh? ma'am. Yeah, don't yes. keep repeating what somebody said about what this and that about you to you or whatever, whatever. Leave it alone. Try to forget it. Don't worry about it because they'll never dig a hole. Whoever said they will dig a hole for themselves and fall in it. So don't worry about what other people say about you. Yes, ma'am. People say what they want to say. It's on the top of their head or whatever. That's on them. Am I right? Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. They said it to you or about you or whatever. 
People are very vicious, baby, but because of no reason at all. They don't even know you and be saying things about you. I've had experience with that, so don't worry about what nobody said. The devil is very busy today. He's raging all over, all over, all over. You can't let what people say. If somebody curse you, don't you curse them back. Let it all be on them. If I say good morning and nobody said nothing, I did my thing the right way. I don't care if they didn't speak. I'm not mad because they don't speak. That was their way of life and living, you know? Right? Right. Yeah. Right. So yes, you, Let it all be on them. But when you get into it, then you just as bad as they are. Okay, darling? Yes, ma'am. Your grandmother loves you. I know I'm from the old school, but I think a lot of times you should listen to old people. They have a lot to say. Lots of y'all young people out there should let your grandmother say something and listen quietly. Amen. And then Amen. go home and think about it. Don't yep. get mad. Get glad. Okay, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk right. to you later, darling. Okay. Thank you, Grandma. Call me later, okay? I will. Okay. Bye, my darling. Love you. Bye-bye. Ooh. Okay, Jay. Uh, if I must, I must have a brunch date with your grandmother. This is official. Yeah. Jay, I have to go out. I have to spend some time with her. Ninety, ninety, some odd, as she says, years old, and yeah. she is just as spry and just as just as plugged in. And you know, I love it. I love it. And that's what's missing because our elders, once upon a time, did, you know, were revered and respected. You know, and. You know, unfortunately, our community is not the same. You know, I mean, I I thank God that I grew up in a sense where communities were actively involved in rearing us. You know, if you did something down the street, that 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 neighbor, you know, took license because they knew your families, and they, we all had the same level of investments in our community, and that's gotten away from us in, in a tremendous space. Like uh, we we separated in a sense where we look at them and us, or separate us in terms of age or gender or whatever that is. And if we could get a little of that back to just understand that we got to respect and protect our seniors and our babies and everybody in between, it would work for us. So uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You got you to gotta hook me up on a date with Grandma. I think my grandmother would absolutely love, 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 with a capital love, having a date. Yeah. I said, don't even worry about that. We will talk to her about that, and she'll be like, sooner than later. Because she, <laughs> <laughs> she don't play, you know. And she she is spry. You can't get nothing past her or by her. You wouldn't want to because, you know, she got a lot of knowledge to drop, you know, a couple of dimes there and there. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Just you plug you in. Plug you in. I forgot about yes. that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I met her. I met her had a ball actually. She was, you know, just strong and spry and active and you know, just I, I love it. I love it. I've always loved I've always had an affinity toward our seniors anyway because, you know, first of all, at ninety something years old they have and she's lived through quite a few things, you know. And she could also tell you what's different and she could tell you what's still the same. And you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta you need those checks and balances. You need to understand that and when she's speaking, it is, it is, yes, ma'am, you know, that's it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, she's got some history and some information that I just don't have, you know, by virtue of the fact that she's been here through it. Absolutely. You 
and we you need know, to get back I to think, I'm sorry. What'd you say? No, no, I just was going to end, end that by saying we need to get back to respecting and protecting our elders because they are our vital resources, have always been. Absolutely. I think that you would love to hear her perspective of the segregated South. It's very, very different and contrary to what we've learned. And her perspective is just different. Um, so definitely when we set up a date with grandma, I want you to talk to her about that. You know, put that on your mental Rolodex to, to just talk to her about what it was like growing up in the segregated South. Okay. Um, she just has a different perspective and you got I just love her for it. You know, it's, um, it's real. And, um, I want to segue, um, and discuss something else, I, I guess, political, but also social, um, our organization, our foundation, the Emancipation okay. Foundation. For those of you who don't know, this January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And yes. Therese, Therese and I are on the board of the Emancipation Foundation, um, which was founded to raise awareness of human trafficking and you know, as soon as I'm feeling better, it's, it's always something that comes up, but I believe that everything happens at the right time. Um, sometimes you try to force things into, you know, being, and it just doesn't work right. But we have a good foundation set. And um, basically, for those of you who are not really aware of um, human trafficking in the United States, our focus for the most part right now, is on minors, young people who are either forced, manipulated, or coerced into the commercial sexual um, exploitation, um, the business of selling sex, quite frankly. And when you think about it, if you're too young to give it away, then you certainly can't sell it. So right. for of you listening, let me just put this in your brain. When you think the term teen prostitute, think about what that means. You know, you can't, if, if you can't legally consent to sex, then how can you legally consent to sell it? Right. So, you know, I wanted to bring that up now, Therese, not just because you and I have this organization. And you can, for those listening, you can look us up at um, www.emancipationfoundation.org. Um, see what we're about. Please make a donation if you are so inclined, because we want to do a lot of big things Um But the reason why I bring it up today is because we're talking about the president-elect. And Mr. Donald Trump oh, has been accused, and I, I don't know that it's true or not, so I'm not going to call him a trafficker. However, he has been accused of being a human trafficker and of having sex with minors. Now, 
because I obviously don't have any proof of this, there's not so much that I can I can say. However, I'm just curious to know your thoughts around what this might mean for organizations that you know organizations like ours that are in the business of raising awareness organizations that are in the business of protecting um whether it be immigrants who have been trafficked for work issues or for sex trafficking or minors here in in our country um what might it mean that the president If he's a trafficker, I mean, like, what, what, how do we allegedly, then? Allegedly. Allegedly, right. So, so how might we, what might it mean for us? Um, a drop in funding? We, we started getting some, there, there started being a movement in the country to raise awareness. How do you think that might impact, or he might impact? I don't know if I'm jumping ahead by talking about this. No, not at all. Not at all. But it's it's certainly a concern and something to consider. Well, the question is there. The seed is planted. The seed is planted. And you know, um, I'll say this. And this, if uh, you have uh, the old boys club and you um, are in the old boys. Uh, cigar smoking rooms And you know With that you talk politics You talk money You talk sex uh, You talk uh, Oh uh, I can Get these young ladies To come and entertain you for, And you know Under the guise of You know You guys can't see me Doing the air quotes But I'm doing the air quotes Right now And to entertain In many different facets So And these women are these. I'm sorry I these young ladies, because a lot of them are minors, are used um, sexually and passed around sexually under the guise of, oh, I have my business constituent. That is still a level and is a level of trafficking. When you uh, travel abroad to use other businesses to select these bodies of girls that are then used later on for entertainment purposes, um, that is trafficking, um, and to allegedly be accused of that is uh, a serious concern. And put it out there, we have not stopped looking at that, you know. And you know, there are some there are some revolutions that are going to be televised, and there are some revolutions that are going to be very quiet. And it's not always necessary for people to know how you're moving with details, you know. Um, there are a lot of things that people do that um, are from a series of phone calls to the right people um, to let folks know that have voices that this is going on, that may have to interrupt their day for a moment, but you may have to make a phone call. And you have to utilize these networks of people that can make change. Um, so putting that out there, and your point is well taken, Jay, well taken, Um that is a question. That's a question to, to that's a seed that needs to be planted for these alleged accusations. Right. 
Right. And again, you know, I think that one of the best ways to drive a point home to the wealthy is in how we spend our money, where we spend our money, and in not spending our money. I think that uh, there's a, a reason why there's an old saying, money is the root of all evil. Well, if you cut anything at the root, the whole thing is going to die. Right. You know, so so that's just just important um, for us to, to, you know, just to think about. You know, there's so many different things. And, and the other thing we can, we can um, touch on, since we're talking about trafficking and, and that sort of thing, old boys club, <sighs> I think Trump proved a, a point when he said that he could shoot somebody and people would still vote for him. That it didn't matter what he said and people would still vote for him. He said, he said that people are basically stupid, you know? And by the way, there are people holding on to the line. If you have something that you want to say, press one and we'll be glad to bring you into the conversation. Um, He said about grabbing a woman by her genital area, you know, that kissing them basically all against their will. Sometimes you just got to do that and blah, blah. And there are women that stand up in support of him. They're not offended. They don't find this to be a problem. And this is the president. So he also referred to Hillary Clinton as a nasty woman. Oh, and many others. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he has been so disrespectful to women publicly. What, what do you think? this might mean for women, women's rights, fair wages, how women are treated by men and each other in society because we tend to, I don't know, once we feel we're powerless, we mock what we think is the powerful and treat ourselves like crap to be the trend. I don't know. I don't know. That just could be just me. But, um, in my the way I see things, um, if people are told that they're not worth a certain thing, they buy into it, believe it, and act like they're not worth a certain thing. Um, women are so powerful, so brilliant, so important, and deserve respect. Mothers, sisters, aunts, grandmothers, godmothers, cousins, friends. If there were no women, there would just be no human population, obviously, for obvious reasons and for the for the not so obvious reasons. Right. <sighs> right I, now I, they're I, having a they're having a um 
bus ride going to Washington, D.C. Um, for rally to uh, try to make the voices heard. Um, the We Shall Not Be Moved uh, national movement bus rally that they do, um, National Action, Action Network. Yes. And they are, as we speak, rolling up to D.C. to show that their power in numbers and strength. And I, I just want to send out um, prayers of love and support. They I couldn't be there today, but um, certainly do support the message of the inclusion and um, our voices, collective voices. Absolutely. And on um, January 21st, the day after the inauguration, there's going to be the Million Woman March. Mm-hmm. And um, so the information regarding that is all over the Internet. If um, for those who are able, you don't have to be a woman to attend. Um, But for those who are able, I suggest or or strongly um, support um, go, be seen, be heard. Um, I, I personally can't go. But, you know, it's just important. I mean, I think about how you could be a double minority, a triple minority in this country, and pay taxes, live right, work, and still feel as though you're not being heard. And then when your opportunity to be heard is granted, you may not speak up. And I I just wonder why that is. Why do you think that is, Tres? There there are a lot of reasons. Um, Immediately, I just think everything goes back to things and people, actually my wife says this best, um, how we don't have to always do things on a grand level. Like change starts with the spark from one person to another, you know, and um, changing your belief systems or changing the way you do things. It starts as a personal thing. And a lot of times maybe we look outwardly to the source, but the source is always going to come from within to be able to move out. So I don't know. You know, I think about that often myself. Exactly. And it's not every time I've had an opportunity to speak up that I've actually done it. I have to be honest and keep it real. You know, um, there there have been times that I've had opportunities to, to stand up and have not been, quote, unquote, worthy of that bullet. Um, but I try to make up for it. I try to make up for it. And why I don't stand up when when the opportunity presents itself or has presented itself, I really can't answer that question. I think well, that... Well, you know, you, you do it in your spirit at the time. You know, I think that sometimes picking and choosing your moments is a, is a resource in and of itself. You know, because I don't necessarily, and, and this is how I say it, you know, I used to run a, a youth group for kids many years ago, and I used to always say, you know, you don't have to be heard on every subject. Now, 
here's the thing, you can pick and choose your moment. There may be some subject matter that you will speak of and you will be the, the face of it, and there may be other things that you choose to make phone calls behind the scenes. You know, um, every, every space is valuable. You know, every space is valuable. There are a lot of things that I may not speak to immediately, but that doesn't mean that my um, my email and inboxes aren't filled with people who do. And we're not having this discussion and not calling the right people to get plugged into it, you know. So you have to pick and choose what you're going to be. And then there's some things that people throw the ball directly at me, and I'm charged with the responsibility of catching it and running it through the field. And I do that um, uh, with responsibility, you know. And considering everybody in that equation, I think that, you know, you can't necessarily look at it that way, Jay. You kind of have to say, okay, what am I supposed to speak to? Um, the spirit is going to press upon me to do so. You know, um, you have provided, you have done your part and continue to do your part in providing a platform for people to rally um, for change socially, and you talk about these things. Like, these things are not going away. Once upon a time, you know, I, you know, you and I both are kind of from the seen and not heard generation. How about we are talking about it, we are providing platforms to talk about it, we are keeping the conversations going. Um, but but that's, that's great. That is absolutely great and should also be considered in your, in your thought process, I think. I'm sorry, I'm a little congested now. I don't know where this came from. I hope you're not catching my cold, man. <laughs> no, I have these uh, these not so seasonal allergies, and it's kind of weird. But you know, it's just a testimony to what's going on out there in the atmosphere. Yeah. Oh man. I know. It actually, you you sound a little a little clogged up from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, my so voice is I, always in the, I haven't been speaking uh, today. It's always in the basement when I wake up. Okay. But, um, yeah, you, you, you have a good point. It's not every topic that we, you know, I feel like I need to necessarily be heard on. Um, I want to talk a little bit briefly about the bullet and what that means, okay. of that bullet. Okay. Um. Oh, now um, I believe Ken has just called in, so I definitely want to bring Kenneth on because we're falling short of time. But um, Kenneth B. Morris is an example of being worthy of the bullet coming to get you. Kenneth B. Morris is the great-great-grandson of Frederick Douglass or great-great-great-grandson of Frederick Douglass and the great grand great-great-grandson of Booker T. Washington, who are both very important, who were both very important um, historical figures in our American history, especially in the black American history and the abolitionist cause and the education of the black person in this country. Kenneth has been living the legacy and taking on the legacy of those great, great, those great men who are a part of his DNA. And I'm not going to do a whole bunch of talking right now because there's not a whole lot of time left. But I, I'm honored, again, as always, to welcome on to the show Mr. Kenneth B. Morris. Thank you. Thank you. 
Ken, let me Thank first... you. It's, it's good to be on with you again. Oh, thank you for coming on. Let me let me introduce you, if, if I've not done so in the past, to my dear friend, Therese. Therese, Kenneth. Kenneth Therese. Welcome. Therese, pleasure, my pleasure. thank you. Thank you. It's, it's nice to talk with you. Thanks. So can you tell us a little bit about the Frederick Douglass Family Initiative? Yeah, the um, organization was started um, in partnership with my mother, Nettie Washington Douglas, who is, by the way, the person, uh, the United the Bloodlines of, of Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington families. And the way that that happened uh, was her father, Frederick Douglass III, was Frederick Douglass's great-grandson, and her mother, Nettie Hancock Washington, um, was Booker T. Washington's granddaughter. And so that those are my grandparents, and they met at Tuskegee in uh, 1941. Uh, they happened to be on campus the same day, uh, just by coincidence. They weren't going to school there, um, and they were rushing across campus, literally bumped into each other, didn't know that the other was a descendant from an historic family, and they fell in love at first sight, wound up getting married three months later, and then uh, when my mom was born, she united the bloodline. So my mom and I and a friend and business partner – uh, Robert Ben started the organization in 2007, and the initial idea was uh, the obvious, and that was to carry on, perpetuate, and teach uh, the next generation about the lives and legacies of, of these great American heroes. But we wanted to make this history relevant, so we wanted to look at um, some sort of uh, contemporary um, social issue or human rights abuse that we could really leverage um, that platform that uh, my ancestors had built through struggle and through sacrifice. And, and I, I, w I know we don't have a lot of time, so I won't go into the, the long story, but really just in a nutshell, I, Robert had given me a National Geographic magazine, and the cover story was 21st Century Slaves. And when I saw that headline, um, you know, I reacted. It, it really stunned me uh, because I, I didn't realize to the extent that slavery still existed around the world in every country, including here in the United States, and when I read that headline, that really was something that I, I felt, and Robert and my mom felt, that uh, we could really make a difference because we could combine the legacies, Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, and Booker T. Washington, the great educator. And if we combine those legacies, it's abolition through education, and that was the way we would go about trying to address this issue of, of what's called modern-day slavery, but um, it's also commonly called human trafficking, sex trafficking, labor trafficking. So that, that's really how we got started. So we're in our, our eighth year, I think, now. It's gone by pretty quickly. Wow. Well, uh, let, let me just let the listeners know that it was because of you and, and the inspiration that, that came from me learning about the um, Frederick Douglass Family Initiative, which – um, brought about the Emancipation Foundation. So I want to thank you for that. And also, just so that you know, Therese is also a board member of the Emancipation Foundation. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. This, well, very this, good. I, I know we've had a number of conversations um, about your inspiration to start the organization. And I'm glad that, um, you know, my ancestors and the work that we've done um, inspired you or, or at least contributed to uh, you're wanting to do something about that. So we're very honored. And, um, you know, thank you for mentioning that. And uh, we look forward to working with you on, on future projects. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know what, Ken, obviously I'm going to have you back on because today we didn't, we, we don't have as much time to delve into to that as much as I'd like to, but I'd really, really like to get your take on the issues that are going on in our society today. Um, of, of all of the things that are going on around the recent election um, and, and the implications of the, the next cabinet, et cetera, what, what are your, some of your biggest concerns? Huh. Wow. Yeah. How much time did you say we have left here? We only have about the, um, seven. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me just tell you what we're um, going to work on to try and affect change around, um, you know, these dynamics. And, and we know in this country, those of us, um, you know, that have been around for a little while, and I'm much older than you are, so <laughs> I won't put you into the same category that I'm in. But we know that there's this disease of race, racism that has existed throughout the founding of this country, and it's a disease that has infected every uh, institution, um, has infected um, our daily lives and, and, and people. And I, you know, since we're on this weekend of Martin Luther King's birthday, you know, this is something that he talked about quite a bit, that when you are talking to, you know, a person or you see a person that has, um, you know, holds uh, racist views or uh, they're a bigot, they're, they're a symptom of that disease. And Martin Luther King always talked about not blaming the symptom, but trying to address the disease itself to address the root causes that are making this country sick. So those, you know, these things have been raging below the surface for hundreds of years. And certainly um, Donald Trump's candidacy and all of his divisive and hateful rhetoric um, has brought all of this stuff to the surface. And um, it is more mainstream and people feel more comfortable to express racist views that, you know, they have likely held for, for their whole lives. So what we're doing, um, you know, this is a reality. So our work has always been with young people. Frederick Douglass said it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So the way that we're going to address this is um, using Frederick Douglass's bicentennial, which will happen in 2018. And we've developed a project called One Million Abolitionists. We want to put Frederick Douglass's narrative, which was his first autobiography that was published in 1847, into the hands of one million young people around the country. That'll be um, students. We're, we'll, we'll partner with organizations that serve the youth populations that we want to reach. And, and our goal um, is to put it into the hands of kids of all races, but primarily targeting uh, children of color. The reason that we're working with the narratives, there, there are a number of reasons. Uh, the Library of Congress named it the, one of the 88 books that shaped America. Um, being a descendant of both Douglas and Washington, my whole life, since I can remember being as young as four and five years old, people would come up to me um, of all ages and all races and sometimes with tears in their eyes wanting to hug me, uh, pinch my cheeks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pat, me, pat me on the top, top of the head. And, and, and what they were saying to me was that 
Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington changed my life, and, and they always remember how old they were, where they were when they were first introduced to the narrative, whether that was in middle school or high school or in college. And they want to thank my ancestors, but because they can't thank them in person, I become, and my mom and my, my siblings become the conduit to them um, to be able to say thank you. So I've always known that this narrative has transformational uh, properties to it. Since we started our organization in 2007, I personally probably handed, handed out about 3,000-plus copies of a, a Barnes & Noble hardcover edition, which they no longer publish. Um, and that's one of the reasons that we've decided with this uh, bicentennial is to publish our own special edition of the narrative. And um, I'm contributing a foreword that will be really from the family's perspective, how, what it was like to uh, grow up in the shadow of, of the great Frederick Douglass. And then you may know the name Brian Stevenson of Equal Justice Initiative. And mm -hmm. he has written a very, very powerful um, introduction. And, and Brian works around the issues of, of course, justice, but mass incarceration. And he's one of the leading voices. If you have seen the, the film um, on Netflix, 13th, He's in that, along with Mel Michelle Alexander, who wrote the, the, the new Jim Crow. And, and so what Brian is doing is he's connecting. He's writing about the time and the environment that Frederick Douglass would have been in when he wrote and crafted this narrative. And then he's making a direct connection to the uh, social injustices that exist today. And, and then he talks about how relevant Frederick Douglass's words are still today. So by putting this, this book into the hands of as many young people as possible, in the same way that when Frederick Douglass was nine years old, he was sent to Baltimore to be the house servant for his master's brother. And when he got there, his slave mistress had never had slaves before, and she didn't know that it was illegal to teach him to read and write. So she began to teach young Frederick his ABCs. But when his master found out about it, he got angry. And he looked at his wife and he looked at Frederick and he said, you cannot teach a slave how to read and write because if you do, it will unfit him to be a slave. And Frederick looked at his master and he said, hmm, if he doesn't want me to have this, then I'm going to do everything in my power. And he understood right then and there that knowledge was power and it would be his key to freedom. So as he, as he begins to teach himself to read and write and he's educating himself, and, you know, of course, there's a, a, a really uh, very cool story about how he did that, which I won't get into, but I'll get to my point, which was he now starts to critically think about his condition of enslavement and his condition of oppression. And he starts to ask questions like, why am I a slave? And, and why do you own me? And then he would look to the heavens and he would say, God, do you mean for me to be a slave for life? My master is using the Bible is a tool to oppress me by cherry-picking verses out to justify enslaving me and brutalizing me and exploiting me. And then one of the first books he would read is the Bible, and in the Bible he found that God did not intend for him to be a slave and that God loved him. And so at the age of 20, he would finally have the courage to run away. He would marry my great-great-great-grandmother, Anna. They would settle in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he could have settled – they could have started a family. He could have worked as a ship caulker, um, which was a skill that he had gained working on the ship docks in Baltimore. But no, he looked back and he saw that there was this institution of slavery that needed to be dismantled, this legal institution. And he, along with the other abolitionists, went about doing that work. So One Million Abolitionists is a, pro a project that's about literacy, 
and it's a product, project that's about social service because Frederick Douglass took action. He got up and he ran away from slavery, and then he took action. So we want young people to read this book, read Brian's introduction, and start to think critically about their systems of oppression, to think about how media shapes their consciousness and who they are and how these um, disparities for economic opportunity and lack of health care and all of the things that we know are afflicting communities all over this country, poor communities and communities of color. And we want people, to, the young people to start thinking critically in the same way that Frederick Douglass did. And then in the bicentennial year, we're going to offer service projects so that these young people that have been impacted by his words can go out and work on those issues that they're most passionate about. And they can be issues that are domestic or in their local community or international. And so we partnered with the National Park Service, the um, National Underground Railroad Freedom Center in Cincinnati. Um, we're doing our launch event on February 28th at the Library of Congress. Uh, we're publishing the first 5,000 books in about three weeks. The significance of that number was that was the first run of the narrative. He published, they published 5,000 books. And then we're going to begin to raise money so that we can um, publish these other books and to get as many as we can into the hands of young people everywhere. So I'm so excited about this project, and this is how we're going to begin to address these issues in communities so that when the midterms come up in 2018, those kids that are juniors now, seniors now that will be turning 18, we want to motivate them and inspire them to get politically active so they can start to change the dynamics of, of what we're seeing right now. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I think this, this is something that the Emancipation Foundation needs to be a part of. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, we would love that. May I give out the, um, the URL, the website? We haven't officially yes. launched it yet, but, um, you know, any traction we can gain leading up to the launch date would be great. It's um, FD2018. FD is in Frederick Douglass. 2018 is in the Bicentennial. So FD2018.org. And um, for those of your listeners that uh, like to get information on their cell phone, they can open up a new text message, type in the two line, um, 71777, 71777, and then the text line, type in FD2018, all one word, hit send, and in about two seconds after that, they'll get a link um, to a page that we're setting up, a mobile cause page, so that we can begin to raise some money uh, to do this. It costs, it's going to cost us only about $3 per book. It's a beautiful hardcover edition. We wanted to make sure we did something that was special because for many of these kids, it's going to be their first book of what we hope will become a library. We want them to keep it the rest of their lives. Or as we're telling them, you know, if you want to give it away, take it with you. When you go to the barbershop, when you go to a meeting, when you go to church, when you go – Open it, quote from it, quote Frederick Douglass's words, and if you wear it out or you give it to somebody else, we'll send you another one. So we're going to have Excellent. to find another day for you to come back, and we're going to have to do this again, Therese and Ken. We're going to have to do this again because we're out of time. But I, I want to thank you both and everybody. That's the Frederick Douglass Family Initiative. Therese, I love you. Both of you. Love you back. You. <laughs> we got to do it again. Got to do it again. 
Yeah, and, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to come on early. I'm in Southern California and had a busy morning. So we'll definitely do it again closer to the launch date on February 28th. And, um, and then I'll have a lot more that I could share with you. We could spend a lot more time talking about this. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. And Therese? Yes, ma'am. Anytime, all the time. You're always worthy. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you. Love you, too, Ken. Love, love you, too. Talk to you both soon. Okay, love you all for listening, and um, everybody be worthy of the bullet coming to get you. Peace out.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.